Welcome to Three Little Things, a natural health podcast. We've created this space to help you positively navigate the world of holistic and natural well-being, where each week we will explore something new and dive into a diverse range of holistic health topics from all walks of life. As chiropractors, we are equally passionate about helping educate, share and empower you on your well-being journey. Created with you in mind, Three Little Things aims to bring you digestible topics and applicable tools and strategies to help you grow, thrive and live well. So let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Three Little Things podcast. My name is Sarah and I'm joined as always with my co-host Lily and we have another special guest who I will let Lily introduce in a second but we're gonna yeah we're gonna share two episodes well this is gonna be split into two episodes so Lily introduce our guest please. This is um Daniel Fitzpatrick, who's a podiatrist and a very special podiatrist because Dan doesn't just, um, or doesn't actually do many orthotics. Dan is a very functional podiatry style. And I went to see Dan many years ago because I was actually um, getting quite a bad bunion. And I saw Dan's ad, which was um, how to fix bunions without surgery. And what a, what a catch line. So, mm. of course, I was pretty well suckered. <laughs> and since then, you know, we've had a lot of great patients go back and forth to see Dan. But we're going to, first of all, start with pediatric feet because I wish I had taken my kids to see Dan way back when their bones were so tiny and soft and malleable. Not that it's ever too late, but hey, when you start young, what can you say? So, Dan, tell us about yourself. So I've been a podiatrist roughly for 21 years, sadly or happily, um, only because that shows my age. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I more specialise in musculoskeletal areas. We see a pretty diverse range of people and uh, it'll be great to talk about kids this evening because we can talk about how we can help their long-term function, improve their, their overall musculoskeletal systems, keep up with their peers, quality of life, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, I think obviously feet are very, very important because of the way it relates to people's health and and quality of life. Um, We know that that relates both to adults and and kids. And we know foot function and foot posture directly relates to balance, coordination, uh, kids' ability to keep up with their peers. And I guess we'll dive into more of that during the session this evening. Mm. Um, Yeah. So, Dan... Let's go into the anatomy because I suppose um, besides having five toes, um, what else What else can you tell us about feet? Yeah, well, that's correct, five toes. <laughs> but um, And so, I mean, feet are pretty complex things. I guess there's a reason that people do degrees on feet, yeah. um, a bit like backs and other types of areas. But um, and, and we know that sort of it's really, really important to take care of your feet. There's 29 muscles associated with the human foot, um, 28 bones. Um, they're really, really important in terms of overall stability and neurological function. And I mean, the, the prime example of this, the story I always like to tell at work is that, um, for example, you can't toilet train a child until they can walk. And a lot of people say, well, why? Well, the reason is, is that until you start firing your big toe properly, you can't activate the the nervous system all the way up to your pelvis correctly. And and obviously you guys as chiros do a, a wonderful job with that. But yeah, I find that when we describe it a bit like that, people sort of get, oh, that's why it's important. Mm. And they sort of get the, the reality of that. And, and we do definitely see that if people aren't using their feet properly, well, they sometimes have difficulty turning on their midsection, their core, they're more prone to lots of other problems. Not suggesting it's all about feet, uh, but we know that it's a big component. Mm. Um, yeah. So there's, I don't know if this is a new thing, but uh, like 
I'm seeing it more and more. It's very trendy to toilet train your kids really early now. What is that about? Uh, I mean, I can't comment on that. Yeah. But, uh, like we're kind of debunking that at the moment, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, I know I didn't do that with yeah. my child. But, yeah, uh, same. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where that comes from, but I think it's really important to sort of take that into Not that that's my area of – but all of the studies I read on neurological function, that – Sounds pretty counterproductive to me. Yeah, I, I imagine it wouldn't be good for self-esteem, but that's—I won't comment on that. I'm a podiatrist, not yeah. a psychologist, but um, uh, yeah. But I, I think that 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 sounds counterproductive to me. Mm. Based a lot on of what times, people are in a real hurry to push their kids ahead. You know, so much mm. to your point. You know, the toilet training is probably toilet timing. Yeah. But then, Dan, so when is a good time to um, really take notice of your um, kids' feet? Then, yeah, I, I definitely think that. Like it's really important if they're not hitting those sort of classic milestones, and if if they are delayed, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of a delay. But mm. if it's if it's, the, I think that the research that we are seeing, I'm sure you guys see this as well, is if they're not sort of keeping up with their peers, and that they do see that there is long term effects of this psychologically. And I think that's really been a bit of an eye opener for me when you hear you know psychologists that that's uh, that talk about sort of adolescent development and, and things like that and how it relates to musculoskeletal and biomechanical function. Um, so I think that's that's really important if you're noticing your child isn't keeping up with their peers from a movement pattern, whether that be crawling, walking, running around, doesn't naturally want to keep up with their peers, isn't active, because let's face it, most kids under the mm. age of five are pretty active. So if you're not sure, sooner the better, particularly on that sort of peer ratio mm. or peer comparison. Mm. So, you know, and we share a lot of um, common patients um, over the years. That whole flat foot thing, I mean, do you want to comment on yeah. that? Yeah, 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 that's a good one. Um, so it's very normal that that a child has a paediatric flat foot up until the age of about five to seven. Girls generally develop a bit, bit quicker than boys. Um, the flat foot within itself is, is not a big deal. I think that it's far more important that they hit their you know, mechanical milestones, so to speak, that they're, they're busy, they're active, um, and they're not they're not too delayed. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, we, we do a lot of family and friends assessment through our clinic. Um, and generally, if they're an existing patient in the clinic, we, we often don't even, don't even charge for them because they only take five minutes. But it's always great to check it out. And 90% of them, we don't actually have to intervene, but it's always great to check get it checked out sooner rather than later. I know you're very non-invasive, you know, with regard to um, prescribing orthotics and so on. Um, do you like to see parents from a young age helping their kids' feet deal develop better yeah great mm. this is a this is a really good topic I think um, and, I, and I think it is in some cases it's a, it's a case by case basis so generally speak so I'll, I'll speak generally and then specifically if someone is having problems mm. so generally speaking if if a child is developing normally uh, mum or dad is just or grandparents in some cases, are just worried about a flat foot as such, then I, I don't think that you should treat too actively. I think the concern is is that the over-servicing aspect, and if we're being honest, the podiatry profession has probably been more guilty than anybody else in terms of over-prescription of orthotics. Uh, and I can say that because I'm a podiatrist. Mm -hmm. um, and our viewpoint, to be fair, the research around this has changed over the last 20 years that I've been a podiatrist. But I would say that overall you should... Like at this stage, if you're worried about your kids' development, the things to do, try and get them barefoot as much as possible. Mm. Um, if you do want them to wear shoes, try and wear something like a Vivo. I know they've been fantastic for mm. both my 
sun and and also uh, we've prescribed them quite heavily. And Vivo, just to give you some context, is just a barefoot shoe. So if you want to protect mm. the child's foot and you want to put them in something, um, put them in something like a Vivo, there's lots of barefoot shoes on the market. Sometimes I know they're a little bit difficult to get hold of because they're on an online type of company, but there, there's lots of them. If you don't like the look of uh, the Vivos, look at Field Grounds. Uh, they're a bit mm. of a cooler type of shoe for kids. Okay. Um, I know that's the feedback that I've had from many parents that they look daggy um, and field grains make a lot of shoes that look very similar to Nike and other cooler brands. So I've got that in big bold letters to mention that. Yeah, uh, and we'll put it in the show notes because yeah, people will love that. Yeah, yeah. But all over it. So just a word of warning, field grains are expensive, their shipping costs are expensive, but they look much better and they're good for your child's <laughs> And dag is a commission, right? Yeah, that's okay, right. So like, hopefully I'll get a free pair of the mail or something. We should like some too, Sarah. Yeah. I wouldn't it's, unlike, yeah. it's unlikely, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I like one in pink, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. They so, do make pink, yeah. Interesting. So you're saying um, as long as possible minus shoes, Yeah, I think so, Okay, right. And what about, um, so back in the day, I'm talking about 4,000 years ago, kids actually were allowed to climb trees and so on. Yes. So I guess the intrinsic muscles of their feet were naturally stronger, weren't they? Yes. Because gripping onto um, branches and yep. uneven surfaces. Yep. So we'd like that too, wouldn't Very we? Very much so. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. Good to know. <laughs> and, and on that point, it is quite fascinating when you do, I've got a, uh, a pretty passionate friend who's a podiatrist about this subject and he does a lot of sort of before and after videos of kids in barefoot shoes and uh, nice. non-barefoot shoes. Yeah. Uh, his name's Tim from Wollongong Podiatry if you want to check it out. And he has a lot of resources around this subject as well as on on our website. But what, what he has done and he, sh he actually shows how gait pattern stuffs it up and he's done a, a really cool sort of thing where he's He's measured the weight of your classic Clark shoe. Mm -hmm. Not the bad Clarks. I know they make a very good product, but they are very heavy. Um, and compared it to a Vivo, and it's quite shocking how heavy a classic style of shoe, mm -hmm. not not just Clarks, but lots of different shoes are heavy comparative to a kid's foot. Mm, so, interesting. So it's interesting. Not that, not that Clarks are bad. It's just that they they have to be used in the right context. Yeah. Mm. And have you seen any research um, regarding um, severs or ostrich lattes and prevention? You know, not, keeping our foot biomechanics. No, I haven't seen any research. But you would imagine that if the if the musculoskeletal is more skeletal system is more functional in the lower limb, mm. and it has been naturally increased in its flexibility by a, a foot being flat on the ground, you would imagine they're less prone to those sorts of things because they're naturally stretching it out when they stand and when they walk, the mm, kids. Yeah. Um, but there's no research as such that I've seen on it. There yeah. might be, but yeah. I'm yeah, not because we know the spine itself um, finally ossifies at 24. So um, cartilage is like Play-Doh, you know, I tell my, my parents of kids. So you can actually mould the skeleton yep. quite nicely until 24. When do feet fully ossify, would you say? They really are like as in... Yeah. Stop growing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for uh, for for I mean for men, uh, that's that's quite a bit later. That's that can be anywhere from, well, quite frankly, blokes. It's hard to pick, but usually it's about fifteen. Ah, um, interesting. And the the ossification, like proper stop growing, uh, for girls is more around the twelve month. Mm. Women are a bit more advanced, but maybe that's just not feet. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say it. Yeah, yeah you said so, it. Yeah. 
Good to know. And what about if they were, I guess you, you can't really spruik shoes, but what do you think about kids going into those really um, built up shoes with arch supports and all that? So, I mean, I think there's a time and a place for it. And I, this probably leads to our next topic. Mm. So if a child is having like problems, so they're having pain, they're having difficulty, they're unstable, they're falling, they're hitting their head. There is a time for support Absolutely. It's not all about barefoot shoes. There are lots of lots of kids who come to see me where barefoot shoes are not a good option because mm. they they don't have the the mechanics to support barefoot shoes. So it's it's important that we make that distinction that it's not the barefoot thing is not a one size fits all. It's a bit like mm. if you have a foot problem and somebody tells you to just walk on the sand. Well, that's <laughs> Not really a great one-size-fits-all type of therapy. So I think there's definitely a time and a place for orthotics, built-up shoes, levels of support, you know, even manual therapy and musculoskeletal work, which is what I do and what you guys do. But I think it needs to be looked at in a case-by-case basis. Mm. I definitely think that it's a really good time, particularly in a young boy or a young girl, that is actively avoiding activity with their peers, particularly around that five to seven mark, because you don't want them to develop habits around avoiding activity which, which we know can potentially affect long-term self-esteem. Mm. And they're avoiding because of function or, or pain or... Yeah. yeah. So, so in my experience, if, if, I get some, like if I get a child in the clinic and they're at that classic, really active, you know, most five to seven-year-olds are pretty active in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously boys are a little bit more than girls, I understand that, but girls are pretty active too at that age. Um, and, and if they're actively avoiding it and, and the parents say things like, oh... They'd much prefer play, to play PlayStation or read a book. They mm. don't like going outside with their friends. Yeah. You know, those are sort of really red flags. They are. And if that is happening, I, I definitely think, and, and we can relate it back to, you know, the classic flat foot with poor mechanics, well, we would definitely potentially intervene with an orthotic and, and more structured footwear. Mm. I think we might get Dan to come and speak at one of our paediatric forums because um, so. last last Wednesday we had a paediatric forum and we had a speech pathologist and a behavioural optometrist and it all relates back in the end to the cerebellum, that midline cerebellum that was actually formed in utero, you know, so the eye muscles, eye muscles um, three, four and six, um, you know, the tongue muscle, cranial nerve 12, all the midline muscles of the um, spine yeah. and right down to the feet. Yeah, right. You know, so that midline cerebellum is so important for um, integrating movement and proprioception and knowing where you are in space, basically, yeah. you know. Yeah. So once a child is bipedal, you know, on two feet and walking, yeah. those foot biomechanics are so important. Mm. So I'm just wondering, so you're saying between five and seven, not too much intervention, but would you still prescribe exercises for kids? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I must admit sometimes the compliance around exercise with kids is pretty low um so sometimes and i i guess i guess the advantage is that and i guess you guys do this as well that you can use the like things like the activator for it to Mm. increase proprioception Mm. and therefore you can make up for a lack of compliance to a degree yeah so i think that that's a a wonderful thing it's really quick it's really easy Mm. it's non-traumatic for the kid yeah and it turns everything on to mm. a degree. So, mm. And I find too sometimes the parents are way happier just to have them come yeah, into the yeah, clinic, yeah, right. lie down on the table, yeah. 
be with the car, uh, you know, like the mother just goes, or the parent goes, oh, okay, happier to do that than argue with you for 45 yeah. minutes to get these exercises which, done. Which is why I revamped my whole practice once I had a child. Yeah, because you realise, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. That's called being versatile, Dan. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah you realise that <laughs> yeah. cringe it when you used to prescribe to parents. You don't want to do that 15 minutes a night? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy you something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That never worked either. Yeah. Um, so... Dad, I know you have a specific question regarding your little I niece. Do, I can, do. Can we ask Dan your specific yeah, yeah. question? Yeah. Um, so I have a one-year-old niece and she's walking. Yes. She's been walking since about 10 months, so yes. relatively early. Yep. But since she was born, um, she's got this toe. It's more pronounced on one side, but it is bilateral. Yep. Um, her, I think it's her third toe. No, it must be a second toe that lifts. Yep. It doesn't cross the third toe, yep. but it lifts and kind of sits just above yep. the third toe. Yep. And my sister... Um, isn't worried about it because she's doing everything fine, meeting all of her milestones mm. beautifully. She's a very active little one-year-old. She's totally fine. But my sister's like, is this something? Is yeah. this a thing? This and is- should I be worried? Should we have this checked? And uh- I was like, just hold that question because I'm going to ask Dan <laughs> yeah. on Tuesday. So what I would do is, so th- there's argument for, in a lot of these cases, that it, it will correct itself. Yep. Mm. But the problem is if you wait for it to correct itself and it doesn't, you're one you're of too the late. T- you're yeah. t- 20%. You can't. Yeah. Like, to support your point, not everything is as malleable yes. as we go down the track. So what I tend to say is, if you can, if you can strap the child's toe down, and yeah. I say if ah, because yeah. you, what you're doing is in effect your because I, I I think it's a bit of overkill. Someone like me treating it every week to yeah. try and get it back down. Yeah. But I think just um, strapping where you just uh, overlap and then pull it pull the toe down. Which yeah. which toe? Which would you? Buddy strap it to the big toe or to the so third toe? So what I toe? would do, so there's two ways. You can yep. either buddy strap it to the big toe. Yeah. And um, if that's not as effective as you would like, you can actually start on the plantar surface, yep. so the bottom of the foot, yeah. in case you're listening, loop it around and then come over the top and then loop and it back, back around and so then it does that. So it's going to pull it down. Clever. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. What, with rock tape or? Um... Uh, I just a hyperfix because yeah. you don't need a lot of force. No, no, no. And that's the thing. Like when I'm playing with her feet and I'm, I'm testing it yeah. because that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. I just like to yeah, feel yeah. bodies. But you, it's you know, it moves around. It's got beautiful joint space. You can bring yeah. it down nicely. It's just that sort of yeah. and just, not controlling yeah. it. Just a bit of guiding with taping. I yeah, think clever. Great. That's awesome. And then you could all have it. So you could have a pink one for um, no, yeah. seriously, yeah. Mir, and a blue one for Scott because kids will only do things if they think. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, so yeah, it's gonna be a bit fun, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit more sure. exciting right. than the yeah. fix. I have to say, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, once you have kids, we even have some hard. rainbow rock tape too somewhere. I think here, don't we? So maybe I'll stealth. Yeah. I'll, I'll take some, oh, make it fancy. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll report back and let you know how I go with that. Ah, toe, toe mm, walking. Yeah, so, point. so toe walking is a, that's a good one. Um, mm. I, I have to say I'll probably refer to you guys more for that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, uh, be, only because I think that how effectively a podiatrist can treat toe walking. Like, so we, we know that you can, you can affect toe walking while they wear, say, a gate plate or something mm. like that, but... How, like in my opinion, this is just my opinion, just in case anyone has a toe plate. So um, what I would probably say, unless you absolutely have to, I tend not to treat it as a podiatrist. Mm. Um, definitely you can look at gait plates and orthotics if, if once again, coming back to our earlier point, if it's affecting, you know, keeping up with peers, uh, normal development from yeah. a social and a physical perspective. But overall, I tend to leave toe walking alone and refer probably more to a chiropractor, to be honest mm. with you, or you guys, um, because I just think you get 
more success with it than what mm. than what I do, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, it's not Lily, do you want to? Yeah, do you want to? No, yeah, well, I mean, touch we'll, on it? not really, not, not right now. Okay. But also, Kelly McKillivan, you know, who yeah. we spoke to um, at the last pediatric forum, um, yeah. prescribes prisms. Yeah, and it's how people perceive their world as to how they walk. And yeah. when she puts these kids in mm. these prisms, they suddenly sink onto their you know, heels. Yeah. But um, as the audience know, um, we work quite closely with her and we do all the neurological biomechanical stuff and just the prisms as yeah. well. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah. Anyway, but thanks for covering that. That's really great, Dan. Mm-hmm. So when should we send people to the podiatrist, kids? Yeah, good. that's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, to be honest with you, I have to say this was something that I struggled with for the first probably 10 years of my career Mm. because it's when to prescribe versus when not to prescribe and you don't want to over-service when you can't offer benefit. Mm. Um, And I think particularly given the history that some podiatrists have had in terms of over-prescribing orthotics, um, I think definitely podiatry as a profession has come back and, and it's not what I have to say. Orthotics aren't widely overprescribed anymore, in my opinion, from what I, I see. To be quite frank with you, mm. I think we've really mm. sorted all of that out. And, and in earlier podiatrists' defence, the, the 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 advice and that the the at that time was to give orthotics mm. out for most things if someone had a flat foot. Yeah. We've le- obviously learned from that, and 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 I think there's been some wonderful research done in conjunction with um, podiatrists, chiropractors, uh, physios, and psychologists, and, yeah. and we see the long-term benefits of when you when you should interfere, or when you should um, treat, I should say. But so basically, a general rule of thumb is if if a child has a pain for longer than three weeks you should get it checked out. Mm. So after three weeks, we know 21 days, that's the sort of the... The, the sort of time you should definitely get it checked out. Obviously, if they're crippling pain, then you should get it checked out earlier. I'm talking about general aches and pains. If they've, if you can see a bunion happening, then I definitely think you should get that checked out because we know the sooner we treat it, the better. A bit like the the, the toe. Yeah, and um, is that common in kids? Just quickly. Yeah, Bunions? you get yeah. like it's it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. um, definitely a lot more common in, from the age of eight onwards. Okay. But uh, I, I tend to see quite a few in that that under eight. Particularly in mm. girls. Okay. Girls tend to be super advanced, you know, going back to the earlier point, <laughs> uh, super advanced. Um, and you can definitely, if anyone's going to get it early, it's usually females. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's not research based. That's just yeah. me Anecdotal. seeing them. Yeah. Um, and you tend, boys, because their feet develop slower, like the like the rest of their musculoskeletal system, um, yeah, we do find that. Interesting. Um, what I would say is if obviously if a child's falling and hitting their head, well, that's mm. a really good time to get them checked out. Yeah. I think that's a really important one. I think it's normal for kids to be rough and tumble and fall, but if they're hitting their head and they're falling all the time, then I think it's, it's yeah, a concern. Yeah, some feedback mechanism gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. there's something mm. that needs to be needs to be sorted out. Yeah, probably peers and also just a special mention that um, – we know that there's really good long-term studies in uh, girls and boys, more so boys, around if the, if if boys aren't physically keeping up with their peers, we know that there's a very good chance it will affect their long-term self-esteem, mm. and that's that's pretty comprehensively proven now. Yeah. That is very heavily like that's a, a I find that the difference you can make to young males and young females if you fix up their mechanics yeah. um, is a is is staggering, yeah. yeah, and the research is there to back it up now. Mm. Um, it's widely accepted. It's not 
It's not over-servicing if you treat someone to improve the way they stand, run, walk, keep up with their peers, stop getting tired, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. The other thing is if, if a child is saying to you all the time that they're tired, like mm. you, every time you go on a family outing and uh, little Johnny is tired, or uh, yeah, you should definitely get it checked out. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's mm. really cool. I, I mean, we could go on forever because yeah. um, gait is such a – Gait is a real passion of mine, looking at people's gait, because um, there are these things called central pattern generators in our brainstem, which are our very own signature neurons, and we all move differently. Yep. And some people just have beautiful gait. You know, you can pick them. It's yep. like a racehorse. You just go, wow, that's a springy step, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and, and it's funny when they look at the studies with that, those people often have really good self-esteem yes. because they've got – Sweet. Wonderful movement yeah. patterns. Yeah, gorgeous. So it's yeah, it's, so it's mm. it's quite fascinating how it relates. Yeah, yeah. line, you know, sort of um, from the middle out and from the yeah, you know, how we laminate. Yeah, hmm, this is lovely. Yeah. So I think we've covered it nicely, haven't we, Dan? I think, I think so. so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so, what are your three little things, Dan? All right. Dan? So three things. <laughs> yes. Uh, so more barefoot time. Yeah. Um, and if not barefoot shoes. Um, if a child has pain for three weeks or longer, get them checked out by you guys or, or someone like myself. Or if somebody or if a child isn't keeping up with their peers. Yeah. Right? Mm. That'd be my three big things, I think. Mm. Fabulous. And I love that because, you know, you touched on it then, but it's so much more about than just feet. You yeah. know, mm. it influences our entire system. And I'll often say to patients, and this is probably more my adult patients, and they say, oh, but, you know, it's just a big toe or I've just broken a toe, but it's just a toe. What do I do? And I, the simple thing of, you know, how good do you feel when you get out bare feet on sand or grass or something, right? That changes the entire feeling of your, your whole body. So they're more than just toes, right? Yeah. More than just feet. I think it's super important. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, we will put all your details in the show notes as well so people can find you, they can chat to you etc etc but thank you and we'll see you in the next episode thank you for having me a quick disclaimer these episodes are not intended to replace help treatment or advice from your healthcare professionals the information in today's podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions this is just a friendly reminder that we do not know you or your child or those around you and therefore do not know your specific needs please seek guidance from your healthcare professionals surrounding your concerns